to our guidelines for consequences, okay? Today we're talking about the how of discipline. Obviously, we've been talking about parenting and character building for how many weeks now? Almost for seven weeks now. So some of this may be um, things that we've gone over, remind you of some things that we've talked about, but um, we'll get right into guidelines for consequences. So first of all, consequences should be as close to reality as possible. We've said that before. We want to make our consequences the outflow, uh, the natural outflow of the crime. So we're remembering that our goal here is character development. And if your kid's irresponsibility isn't a problem for them, who's it a problem for usually? You as the parent, yes. And that's not okay. So we want their irresponsibility, their problems to be their problem and not ours, because we are forward-looking, as Tamara said, we are preparing for the future. We're not just dealing with the moment. When we're talking about character building, when we're um, disciplining, we're not just dealing with the right here and right now, but we're really forward-looking. We're really, um, you know, preparing our children to be adults that are um, have character. All right, so examples of consequences that are a natural outflow, okay? Um, if I'm late getting ready for the movie, what might be a natural consequence for my tardiness? You don't get to go to the movie. What about if I'm perpetually late for dinner? What might be a natural consequence for that? Amber, come join us, right? Okay, and then you can. Okay. <laughs> perpetually late for dinner. Eat cold dinner. Don't get dinner. Yeah. Uh, what happens if I'm late for preparing my project for school? It's due tomorrow, and I don't have the supplies I need. <laughs> what might be a natural consequence for you get an F? Okay. So this is serious, right? Because as parents, having our children get, get good grades is important, right? It's very important to us. But if we consider character development... Which is more important? Is it important that they get an A on this project, or is it important that they learn the character quality of being on time, of preparing, of not procrastinating? If somebody's always there to bail them out when they haven't prepared correctly, what character are they learning? So, good grades are important to us, right, as parents? <laughs> but... Character is, is of greater importance, I would say. And the likelihood is if you don't rescue them when they have waited to the last minute, eventually, maybe not the next time, maybe even a couple times down the line, but eventually they'll learn, mom's not going to bail me out if I wait to the last minute, right? So maybe I'll start preparing a little bit earlier. I mean, I worked well under pressure, so <laughs> I mean, I can't. <laughs> if it wasn't the morning of, <laughs> we were just... Um, getting, where was I getting ready to go? Just recently. Oh, women's retreat. And um, I was packing the morning of. And he said, oh, I thought you weren't leaving till this afternoon. I thought you're, pa you're packing kind of early. I said, no, I'm leaving in an hour. He said, oh, that sounds about <laughs> right. Because <laughs> waiting until the very last minute is something that I have not completely broken. Although I'm doing much better. All right, so if I don't do my chores around the house, what might be a natural consequence for that? I don't get to do an activity. I lose some privilege. 
right, that the rest of the family gets to do. If I don't tell my parents where I'm going, what might be? You don't get to go anywhere. Maybe not. Yes, lose loss of trust. Much more serious than the loss of privilege, right? Yes. All right, so that's keeping our consequences close to reality, which we've, we've talked about before. Okay, saving consequences for serious offenses. In general, the consequence, consequences are for behavior that is in danger of creating a bad character pattern. So, um, again, we've talked about picking our battles. We've talked about, um, you know, especially when the kids are younger, <laughs> you don't necessarily want to be saying no all day, every day. Um, so saving our consequences for things that are really uh, potentially bad character pro- problems. Um, because all of us need flexibility at times. All of us need some understanding at times. For example, employers uh, post sick leave policies. Schools give excuses for absences. So there's instances where these things are okay, right? But if, uh, if there's always an excuse, then it no longer becomes an excuse. It's just a rationalization for why I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do to do. So um, according to Dr. Cloud and Townsend, they, they would say we get to the consequence stage when we've reasoned and warned and talked and those have things have all failed. Um, so depending on what the issue is, especially as they get older, um, you know, we want to give the warnings. We want to, um, when they're learning how to do certain things, give those before we're enacting consequences. All right. Consequences should be immediate right? The younger they are, the more important it is to have the consequence be um, directly after the offense. Because in a child's mind, if, if there's no consequence right away, it's hard to, okay, what am I being in trouble for? What did I do wrong? Um, so we want to link that so that they understand this is what you did wrong, and here's the consequence for it. Be as specific as possible. What will she lose that she loves? Or what will she get that she hates? When and for how long? These are the questions you want to answer when you're giving consequences. What do, what do they stand to lose that they love? Or what do they stand to get that they hate? Uh, when will they receive those consequences? And how long will they be employed? So vague threats like you're going to be sorry or you're going to get it or, you know, <laughs> those things, they're not effective <laughs> as, as, you know, punishment or discipline. Um, We don't want to use things like that. So does that make sense? Making it very specific. You're going to be sorry is not. Yes, yes. Give you something to cry. Yes, that wasn't. Yes. Yes. And they do. And I totally agree. And I think for me, it's been a process of learning and relearning. For me, it's been, oh, wait a minute. I I teach that you're not supposed to do that. I should probably rethink what I've just (laughs) done. You know, I mean, I apologize to my kids today for being frustrated with them. So, you know, I mean, it happens. But I think at that point, you go back and you say, you know what, I'm sorry. You're not going to be sorry. We're going to, this is, this is what we're going to do, you know, and you can make that right, (laughs) you know, 
you can make that work for you. And being neat is a character quality that we all need to develop. Someday your children will be a husband or a wife who will, and be a part of a family, leading a family, who will need to have cleanliness as part of their daily thing, right? And those of us who did not learn to be clean, myself included, you know, have a harder time when it's time to be mom and dad, when it's time to get along with a spouse, you know, makes life a little more difficult and you're preparing them for the future, you know, and so that's part of it. Sorry, bud, but you go to college, they're going to expect your room to be clean, you know, and or, or whatever. There's real life out here that's waiting for us and being clean is part of that life and it will go smoother for them if they learn that now rather than later, so, mm-hmm. What to say? Yeah. How to get you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Those really smart ones. <laughs> but I was thinking about what you said. Like, if you raise your kids about, like, with their future in mind, like, think about that. Like, what do you, I kind of wish my mother-in-law would have thought, you know? And probably my parents. You right. You probably wish what my parents would have thought differently right. about, you know, allowing or not allowing certain things. Because if you think about that, what they're doing now is probably what is going to carry on. And the reality is that all these things make more work for us, at least at the beginning, right? To help our kids to be neat and to clean their room. That takes more work for us at a time when we're already over the top a lot of times. We've already got work and we've already got kids' other issues and we've got school and we've got, you know, ministry and we've got all these things. And now I have to help you learn to clean your room. 
I mean, <laughs> really? Yeah. It creates a lot more, a lot more work at the onset. And that's why we have consequences, though, because if they c even if they can't put cause and effect together, even if they can't relate, this is my action, this is what it's going to happen as a result of this action, you know, they can understand consequences that are immediate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you can say that, yes. All right, we're going to move on to um, staying away from emotional consequences, which we've talked a little bit about this before. But anger, guilt, shame, those sorts of things are not effective consequences. They're not the kind of consequences you want for your children. Feeling the pain of loss of privilege, loss of money, loss of computer times, much better teach them uh, you know, responsibility than, than emotional consequences. Um, because those, those affect the relationship, the long-standing relationship, which is uh, not what you want. You love your children. You discipline them because you love them. So our goal is not to shame them or cause them to feel guilty or angry. Um, we use relational consequences only if they concern our feelings, okay? So if Jill's behavior or Jimmy or Johnny or whoever is hurting you or others, tell her so tell her what she's doing and why it's affecting you. So an example might be, it saddens me when you talk to me that way. I don't like to be spoken to that way and neither do you. It makes me feel far from you. So I won't be listening when you are sassy or disrespectful. When you want to talk to me differently, I will be glad to listen. That would be an example of a way, you know, it's a, re it's a relational consequence because you're saying I'm not talking to you right now. But you're not breaking the relationship. You're simply saying, I have a boundary, and this boundary is that I don't allow people to speak to me this way. You shouldn't either, as a matter of fact. You don't want your child to let people talk disrespectfully or sassy to her or him, you know. So, so we're, we're setting a boundary, and we're saying, I will not allow you to treat me in a certain way. When you're ready to treat me the correct way, I'd be glad to hear what you have to say. Um, and that's completely okay. So loss of love is never a consequence. We're never taking away our love from them but we may have to distance ourselves for a moment, you know, so that they can understand the, the seriousness of, of whatever it is occurring. Does that make sense? All right. Think of consequences as protecting yourself and the rest of the family from behavior, uh, from the behavior of the child. So another example. I do not like to eat with bickering people, Jimmy. Go to your room, and when you can stop bickering, you can return to the table. By the way, I clear the table at 7.30, and there is no more food after that. Later snacks are only for those who ate their dinner, okay? So your rule in the house is we don't bicker at the table. In my house, we don't sing at the table. We don't laugh at the table. We don't do anything. We eat at the table, right? So, d you know, every house is different, and every house has their own rules. But if your rule, for instance, is bickering, you don't allow people to bicker at the table, and they can make a choice. You can, 
go to your room or you can stay at the table and follow the rules of this home. But if you go to your room, which you may choose to do, you may not come back until you're ready to get along. And if you choose not to come back before the time set where we clear the table, you won't get food. Other people may get food because they finish their dinner, but you won't get food unless you come back and finish your dinner in, in the appropriate time, right? Does that make sense? We do that at our house. My girls are very distracted. I mean, they're four and six and nine. They're fully capable of eating their food. Uh, but they like to not think about eating their food for a long time. And we tell them, if you don't finish your food, you will not get a snack later. They have that choice. And many times they don't eat their food. The whole plate is wasted. And they go to bed hungry. And they cry. And they say, my belly hurts. And it breaks mommy's heart and daddy's heart because they want food at 9 o'clock because they're hungry. They really are hungry. But they knew the rules up front. All right, preserve choice as much as possible. In situations where one, only one option is available to the child, like say you're leaving to go somewhere, still give a choice, and this is what it might look like. You can go and have fun with us, or you can go and not try. Which would you like? And by the way, if you are paying for us on this trip, we will remember that when we go on our next trip, which is fun whatever that may be. Go to the movies, go to the park, go to the beach, whatever it may be. But if you're a pain in the butt for us this time, then we're going to remember that next time. So I suggest you come with us and have a good attitude. My parents probably should have done that a lot more with me when I was younger because <laughs> I had a bad attitude a lot of times when I was a teenager, you know, but preserve their choice as much as possible. Give them a choice and when there's only one choice, like you must come with us now, let them know what the consequences might be later. Make sure that, that there is not a good reason for the child to be misbehaving. Um, some, some reasons that a kid could be misbehaving, and I think we see this all too often and we don't recognize it. There may be, they may be fearful of something. There may be an, a medical or emotional problem. Um, the child may be acting out of pain, hurt, uh, hurt feelings, powerlessness, or some other emotional state that needs to be connected with. Um, for example, it's not unusual for kids to act out if there's a divorce in the family, if there's marital problems, if uh, they've just moved. All those things we talked about, we've talked about that before, special circumstances. So in sometimes in those cases when there's something going on, um, oftentimes kids will act out. So make sure there's not an actual good reason um, why the child could be acting out other than that they're just being rebellious talk to the child and ask about the misbehavior when the child is not misbehaving how good of a conversation are you going to have with your kid when you're angry and they've just gotten in trouble usually not so great you're not going to get a good response from them but if you can wait until after the crisis is gone, after the emotions have died down, and talk to them about the issue. Some examples. When you do such and such, I would like to understand why you do that. Is there something you are trying to tell me? Are you angry with me or hurt about something? What do you think would be a good plan for us the next time this happens? So this is just communicating with them. This is trying to diffuse the next situation, um, the next time that there would be 
a misbehavior? What are we going to do? How are we going to circumvent this? Or what are we get, what's going to be our plan for the next time that we have this issue? Um, and I've, I've done that with my kids um, before. I mean, we can do this several ways. But one of the things I've said is just, what do you think should be the consequence when you do this thing? And sometimes it's a, I don't know. <laughs> and other times it's like, well, I think maybe you should do this, you know. But they're not in trouble. And so they're just giving me honest opinion at that point. And um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Be flexible is our next point. Uh, boundaries and consequences will change as your child matures and grows. They won't need the same limits as we talked about before. You know, our, your child can cross the road when they're 16, but maybe the issue then is them coming home on time. So your, your boundaries and the rules will change as they get older, and you need to be flexible um, with those. All right. Then we're going to move on to, again, our favorite subject, which we kind of touched on last week, to spank or not to spank. <laughs> um, so just quickly, we're going to say, who wants to offer some uh, feedback? What is spanking? Discipline, okay. A physical punishment, okay. What else is spanking? Physical pain, help them remember to link. Mm -hmm. Use a spoon or something, yeah. Paddle, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Facetious, no. Okay, so spanking is discipline for the good of the child, right? Discipline for their good. It's a tool in the tool belt of discipline, okay? So spanking, you know, some would disagree with this. I have read some, some would disagree that it's one of many options. I do think that spanking can be one thing used among other things. Um, it is to be used with reproof, okay? The, in Proverbs, it says, the rod and reproof bring wisdom. So it's not just about spanking, but it's about giving instruction, direction, guidance, or communication, along with spanking to help them understand. We're, again, we're disciplining them. We're training them for the future. We're doing this for their good. So we're using those things in conjunction. What spanking is not. Spanking, you know, Carlos tells us all the time, he wouldn't care if I'm saying this, but when he was younger, he said he got spanked with syllables. I told you not to do, you know. <laughs> and Anita's nodding her head. So uh, that was his experience growing up. That is not what biblical spanking is, okay? Biblical spanking is not slapping. It's not hitting. It's not retribution, like we talked about last week. It's not the parent venting their anger, okay? These, these are, that's not what biblical spanking is. So just keep those in mind. Um, one of the moms in one, or in, in one book, uh, To Train Up a Child, he gives an example, and he says that one mom who started, you know, using biblical spanking in the right way, their son came up to her and said, Thank you, Mommy, for spanking me because you're sweet now. So whereas Mom had been angry and yelling and frustrated all day long, all the time, when she started doing things the right way, the son realized, 
hey, things are better around here. Mom's not so mad all the time. She, you know, and it really, it made mom sweeter and it made the house more peaceful. And we've talked about that before, but you know, that's some things that you can expect with, um, with spanking and with discipline. It restores order. It gives peace. So, um, again, like we said last week, Shannon said spank for everything under five and you won't have to spank for anything after five. And, you know, while that's not doctrine, I feel like that's, uh, you know, a pretty, a pretty decent thing, you know, to go by. And I've seen that to be true in, in my family. So, <laughs> Although, yeah, I have a four-year-old, so she still requires a lot. Okay. <laughs> so when do we spank? Anybody want to offer some feedback on that? What, what is a spanking offense? When you're not angry. Okay. When does a, chi- when does a child earned a spanking? If it's an issue of safety. Of violence, okay. Hurting someone else or themselves, okay. It's a serious offense, yes it is. Okay. make a disrespect or okay okay and here's what what they had written and I agree with this it's a spanking offense when you have given a directive that he has heard that is within his capacity to understand and he has not obeyed so I think those are pretty clear when you have said something they heard it and understood it and you know that they did and it's within their ability Okay, so you're not telling your three-year-old to go wash your car because that would be ridiculous, right? A three-year-old cannot wash a car, and that, therefore, cannot be a spanking offense because that's just ludicrous, okay? But if your uh, 14-year-old or your 16-year-old who has asked to borrow, well, you won't spank your 16-year-old, though. But um, (laughs) anyways, you get the point. It has to be age-appropriate, something that, that you've told them to do, they've understood it, and they have disobeyed. Okay, uh, if disobedience is okay sometimes, then why is it not okay every time? So I struggle with this, honestly, and I think all parents do. Um, I go back and forth in my mind. Um, do my children need to obey me the first time? And if they have not obeyed the first time, is there immediate consequences given? Um, I believe that the correct answer to that question is yes. But it's very difficult to walk that out. And, um, you know, I think as parents, we want to have grace and, and, you know, we want to be merciful and all those things. And I think that's good. And I think especially, like we said, when they're young, when they're two years old and one and a half and, you know, two and a half, and they're learning things, learning new rules, learning things they haven't known before, then we give grace, right? Then we give them time to, to try and fail and get it wrong because they're learning something new. But when you've got... Um, a four-year-old who who knows exactly what you mean when you say pick up your shoes that you left on the floor and go put them in the closet where they belong for them not to do that that's something that they can understand and that they can they can do Um, I think it is right I think if you tolerate any disobedience then why not tolerate all of it right 
then discipline becomes an issue of my convenience rather than your obedience. And I think that's where the real issue lies. I feel like it is in my life. Um, if I tolerate any disobedience, then, then why don't I tolerate all of it? So I need to, you know, we all do, but, um, something I'm working on is just being more clear and putting aside my agenda to be able to deal with the issue right away. I don't need to ask you if you want a spanking. I don't need to threaten a spanking five times. If I've told you to do it, you know what to do, right? So, and again, uh, you know, we're teaching that obedience is a necessary, is a necessary thing. It's not one of many options. Um, and if you listen to focus on the family, they'll distinguish it this way. Child, childish, uh, childish irresponsibility versus willful defiance. Okay. So childish irresponsibility would be spilling their cereal or, um, tripping over something and knocking the vase off the table and that breaks. Childish irresponsibility is, is, very different from willful disobedience. Willful disobedience is, I know you told me to do this thing, and I'm just not going to do it. we got a lot of that going on in my house right now. <laughs> I don't know about yours, but willful disobedience is the, no, I'm not doing it. I don't care what you said. <laughs> so that's, that's the spanking offense, willful, willful disobedience. Pastor Keith says, uh, you deserve what you allow. And I think that's true in all of life, not just in discipline, but we, we deserve what we allow. And, uh, I think that'll preach. So (laughs) I know, right. (laughs) That's kind of a stiff one, but I think it's true. I think it's true. Um, so in, in my mind, again, there are experts who would disagree, people who believe in spanking. Um, I, I think that spanking should not be a first resort nor a last resort. I think it should be one of different thing. I won't say many things, but one of a few different things that you can use, uh, in your tool belt of discipline. And we'll talk about what some of those other things might be. I don't think you should save it as a, a last resort and a threaten to spank, threaten to spank, threaten to spank and not do it. But I don't know that you just run to it immediately. I don't know that spanking is just, is always the first thing you do. And again, there, there are those who would disagree with me, but that's, that's my view on it. All right. Um, so the how of spanking. These are our how do we do it, what we've been waiting for, right? All right. First of all, we're going to take our children to a private place. The goal with uh, corporal punishment, with spanking, with discipline in this way, is not to embarrass or shame your children. Um, so we're not going to try and rob them of their dignity. We're not going to discipline them in public or even in front of the other siblings. It's best if you take them to a place where it's just you and them. And in that way, we show them respect. All right. Secondly, we're going to specifically tell him what he has done wrong or failed to do. Okay. So usually he should be aware of these things already. Right. But maybe they're not because usually in a perfect world, you've given them a directive or they know ahead of time, right? We're not spanking unless they know they've done something they shouldn't do because we've told them already, if you do these things, these are what you get spanked for, right? So, um, specifically, what have they done wrong? Again, physical discipline should be, um, attached to specific and easily demonstrated issues, never because you've had it or (laughs) you're up to here or I can't take it anymore. Right. 
specific, easily demonstrated issues. All right. The next thing we're going to secure an acknowledgement from that child of what he has done. So not only are you going to tell them what they've done wrong, but you're going to ask them, what did you do wrong? Or do you understand why this is happening? Usually in my house is how it goes. I say, what did I tell you to do? Because usually that's what it is. Or what did I tell you not to do? Did I tell you not to jump on the bed? Did I tell you not to eat another cookie? Did I tell you to put the shoes away? What did I tell you to do? What did I tell you not to do? And almost every time they know exactly what it is. Did you do that? Okay, yes or no. And then what do you expect to happen? Well, the fact that we're alone together in a room with the door closed, they, they know what's coming, right? But again, they're answering my question, what happens now? And usually it's Lily, my four-year-old, getting the spanking, and, you know, she knows what's coming. I get a spanking. <laughs> usually she can't. <laughs> I know, it's really heartbreaking. <laughs> and she's so cute, and then she says, but don't do it hard, Mommy. Don't do it hard. <laughs> it's really difficult, I'm telling you. <laughs> but if it's Mommy and Daddy are home together, she'll say, Mommy, can you spank me? <laughs> Why? Why do you want me to spank you, Lily? <laughs> and she tells me, because you're not as hard as daddy. <laughs> All right, so it's important to always keep your focus on the child's behavior, not on his identity, okay? So this would be like if your son or daughter says, I'm a bad person, or I just can't do anything right, or you don't love me anymore, okay? That's his identity, and we're not attacking their identity. It has nothing to do with their identity. They are loved by us. That's actually why we're there, right? Because we love them. So we're going to secure them in our love, and then we're going to get back to the issue at hand. It has nothing to do with how much I love you. In fact, I, I love you, and that's why we're here. Let's talk about what you did wrong, okay? And then um, th another thing that you can do, you don't have to do, but is tell, tell them how many swats they're going to get. Okay, and there's a few reasons why this is a good idea. Normally, I give two swats for whatever it is. And if it's more than that, I tell them, um, you know. But if you tell them, stick to it. Don't say you're getting two spankings and then give them five. You know, tell them how many spankings they're going to get, how many swats, and then stick to it. Um, and different children may require different amounts, right? We've got more stubborn children, and we've got more easy to please children, you know. Um, so it may be different with each child. Uh, but letting them know how many SWATs to expect also keeps you accountable and it helps you to stay under control. Because if you say you're getting two SWATs and you know you need to stick to that, then it's going to keep you from going off the handle. It keeps you accountable and under control. Right. <laughs> and then after you have spanked, take the child on your lap uh, tell them how much you love him, how much it grieves you to spank them, and how you hope that, that it's not necessary again, right? Because you do love them. keeps our focus on um, rest restoration and not on retribution, like we talked about last week. So at this point, there should be complete restoration. And I, um, with Lily and Lena, that happens. After they've gotten a spanking with me, um, there's no animosity, there's no anger. There's no, you know, buckling up or anything like that. They're immediately, I'm sorry, mommy. Okay. You know, or, or whatever the issue is. Mia was a little different story. Uh, oftentimes it was not resolved. So if it's, if you spanked and, um, 
you can tell that it's not resolved, that, you know, they refuse your affection, that they're still mad at you, then check a couple things. First thing, check yourself. Have you handled them correctly? Have you disciplined in anger? Have you lost your temper? Have you got out of control? Um, If any of those things, then we need to apologize, ask for forgiveness, and, and move forward. If that's not the issue, um, then check their spirit, okay? Is their anger a reflection of the rejection of your discipline? Is he mad at you? Is he trying to punish you for punishing him? Um, if so, the discipline's not over, and some, some further work needs to be done. So um, you remember that last week we talked about, we talked about um, the verse in, in Hebrews that says, um, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but later on, however, it produces a harvest of peace and righteousness for those who have been trained by it. And so that's a good indicator if your discipline has done its work. Are you seeing peace and righteousness? And if the answer is no, then the discipline or the process needs to continue. So some things that may be required. You may need to talk longer. You may need to communicate more with him about, you know, what's going on. Why are you angry? Um, you know, those sorts, sorts of questions. They may need more discipline. Then they may just have some more rebellion left in them that needs another couple swats. And that that's completely appropriate. Or it may be appropriate to just pray right there, to pray that the, you know, that the Holy Spirit would give you wisdom to be a good parent, that, um, you know, pray for your kiddo, that God would give grace, that God would help him to see how much you love him, whatever it is, whatever it is you're coming up against. So um, talking more, disciplining more, or praying right there um, would be good ways to continue that interaction. Because when the discipline's over, it should be over. There shouldn't be any lasting effects. There shouldn't be any carryover. It should be over when it's over because we've been restored. Okay? So, again, our process from, from one on. Uh, go to a private place, tell them specifically what they've done wrong, secure an acknowledgement that they understand what they've done wrong. Um, if you want, tell them how many swats that you will give them, and then after you've spanked, love on them and, and make sure that, that your, your relationship is completely restored. S- a couple other suggestions to go along with it. These aren't necessarily necessary, but they're suggestions. Um, lay the child across your lap. And they suggest that because it keeps, it keeps your child in um, the context of your relationship. So as opposed to putting them over a chair or over the bed or something, that keeps the, the relationship right here. Um, it keeps it in control a little bit more. Um, use a spoon or a paddle or something else. Um, you know, the Bible says... It talks about the rod, right? And the rod was a tool. And so it's completely scriptural to use a paddle or a spoon or, or some other um, device. The reason given for that is, again, that, that your hands would be used only for loving um, and blessing. The process of getting the spoon gives you an opportunity to cool down, to give you a few more seconds to, if you are having anger issues, to let that anger go. Okay, so those are some reasons to use a spoon. Personally, I don't. Um, there's a couple reasons for that. One is because I'm easily distracted, and I think that it would be easy for me to get lost in the midst of going to get a paddle or trying to find it because, in all reality, it's probably lost 
if it's in my house. <laughs> so, um, so that would be one reason. But um, another reason is that I feel like personally, um, if I can feel it with my hand, then I know how hard I'm doing it. Whereas with a spoon, um, I feel like it's harder and I have less control over it. Maybe I should say that. So I completely agree with the reasons to use spoons or paddles or whatever. Um, I don't disagree with that at all. However, that's not the way that I've chosen to do it. So I think both are acceptable. Um, and I, you know, I'd be open to discussion about that, but <laughs> that's kind of where I've been. And it probably wasn't a specific object. It was probably whatever was close by. Yeah. yeah. to always be aware of your own limitations. Again, like we said last week, um, you know, we all have a past. We all have experiences that we've been through. And if, you know, a certain instrument brings back awful things for you, while you're working through that and asking the Lord to, to cleanse you from those things and to help you to do it in the right way, you know, whether that be with an object or without an object, um, to, you know, to ask for help, to seek help, to talk to people, and, and to get the counsel that you need, because it's important to discipline, right? I mean, that's super important, but we all have our limitations, and, you know, the reasons why um, maybe one, one way is better than another, or another one way doesn't work as well as another, so... Except it is a program problem, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next thing is to, um, again, depending on the, the age of your child, you can take off layers if it's needed, you know, especially if, you know, your little one is in diapers and spanking over diapers. And, you know, again, uh, if it's not painful in the least bit, then it's not effective discipline, right? Because the whole idea is to inflict at least enough pain to help them associate this was bad behavior we should stop this right so it needs to be felt um if your child is uh young enough that you are still caring for his hygiene or hers you know you give the baths you put on the underclothes and things like that then pulling down the drawers isn't as isn't um shameful for them but if your child is old enough to where they're taking care of themselves they're 
taking care of their own hygiene, dressing themselves, then they're at an age where, you know, you wouldn't, yes, it would be a shameful thing to um, take down their pants. But basically, you're just making sure they haven't stuffed anything in there. I remember doing that when I was little. I put on a big old sweatshirt, and I covered my bottom with it. <laughs> and I acted like it hurt, but I knew that I'd done what I needed to do. So <laughs> that was my mom as well. <laughs> I knew who I wanted to get my spankings from. <laughs> so again, the Bible says that we are to be careful to discipline. So if we do these steps that we've talked about here, then I don't see how anyone can rationally call this uh, abuse, how it can be called unreasonable or unfair. Um, biblical spanking is, is, um, is good and necessary. We are careful to discipline. And again, a clear controlled spanking is far less damaging to a child than repeated yelling or screaming or a lot of the other uh, methods that we use to try to get our children to do what we think they should do. Um, those things may be effective for the moment, but they're not shaping character, and uh, they actually can be damaging, okay? But um, uh, a spanking that's administered in love without anger, because we're not ever, ever, ever doing it in anger. Yes, we do that because some t we're fallible people who make mistakes. So is anger ever part of the equation? Sure it is. Okay, we, we all make mistakes, but the goal, the, the right way of doing it is never anger, is never to take something out on our children. That's never, ever, ever the way it's supposed to be done, right? So again, the goal is biblical spanking. The goal is to do it the way that, that, um, that God would have us to do it for the good of our children and the restoration of our relationship with them, Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that's scriptural, but I can't say that it's necessarily wrong. I mean, you know, if especially if the child is asking for it, you know. Now, I have heard, um, I have read the importance of parents spanking their children as opposed to neighbors or um, as uh, when I was a kid, um, your principal or, you know, other people. It's important to keep it in the context of the family. Of, of the parents because it's a parental responsibility of the fathers to their sons, of the mother to their son. But um, <laughs> to discipline because I just need to do it, I don't know. <laughs> Or, I mean, have you heard that? Has anybody heard that? Like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, back in my day. 
thing is, it's like, you know, when I was, I don't, I mean, well, obviously I probably didn't lie. Well, it was a private right. school. It was a private school. But, <laughs> I mean, I wonder, you know, I mean, you just hear that. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, I wonder what the correlation is. Yeah. So I think there's a lot. And I agree. I don't think that kids should be getting away with stuff. And I was just talking about specifically spanking being done uh, by parents. But I feel like, oh, yeah, I mean, any you have to be able to discipline. I think that's part of the reason why the, our schools, you know, are having the issues that we're having because there is no discipline, you know, not you can't do anything. Yeah. Some big issues. And that's exactly what we're talking about, though. You're getting to a deeper issue. She's having some behavioral problems, but it's not just flat-out rebellion that she's experiencing. There's some deeper issue that's not necessarily worthy of discipline. It's a let's communicate. You've got some stuff that we need to talk about and deal with together. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Amen, sister. God's doing a work. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, again, I don't want to make the issue you know, necessarily to spank or not to spank. The issue is that we are careful to discipline, that we are careful to do it. Um, so, again, if we are not using spanking for every offense, if it's not the first thing we go to and also not the last thing, one thing for you and your spouse or you, you know, to consider is what are going to be my spanking offenses? What what are we going to discipline in this way for? Um, some examples may be when my child deliberately defies me or when so-and-so talks back disrespectfully and intentionally or when I have given a clear warning first. These might be some instances for which we uh, spank. In contrast, what are some of examples of situations when you would use other forms of discipline, so not spanking? Example might be for minor infractions, or when Jeffrey forgets to answer the prob uh, forgets to answer me properly, I will correct him verbally. So um, you have taught your children to say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, and he says what when you call him. Okay, maybe you've decided that's not a spanking offense. That's I'm just going to correct you. You know, we say yes, ma'am in this house. We say yes, sir. Okay, so just figuring out what are the consequences for certain things, and you will know what things with your children, right, uh, are the major issues that need to be talked about ahead of time. Uh, you know, when another consequence is more logical, maybe we won't spank or we'll take away a privilege. Um, so those are just what methods will you use and when will you employ them? And if you know ahead of time, that will make life easier for you, right, and for your children because they know what to expect. So talking about those things is, is really helpful. Um, Again, some more suggestions for discipline is don't set up consequences that you aren't willing and able to carry out because follow through is everything, okay? So when you're about to give a consequence, count the cost. Are you ready, willing, and able to do what you're saying? If you're not willing to pull over this car right now, then don't say, <laughs> I'm going to pull over this car right now, right? We need to be ready, willing, and able to follow through on whatever consequence it is that we set up. What might be some other examples of uh, things that we threaten but aren't necessarily willing to follow through with? Because we all do it. <laughs> we all do it. Yes. <laughs> do you want me to have your father pull over the car? Okay. <laughs> what else do we threaten? <laughs> you won't get it pretty. <laughs> No Christmas presents for you. <laughs> and no birthday presents either if you continue on. Okay. Okay. What else? What do we threaten that we're really not ready to follow through with? You'll never watch that show again. I'll take the phone. You'll never get it back. Okay. Yep. We'll turn around right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any other ones we use that we don't really mean? <laughs> I do. That's great. 
Um, what do I use? Electronics. That would be a good one, though, to follow through on, probably. <laughs> Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, Carlos will say if you don't pick up your toys, they're going to all get thrown away. But I mean, that's not. <laughs> we'll just get new toys, right? Yeah, that's that's part of the thought, thinking ahead and considering the cost, like. Are you prepared to not buy them more toys when you've thrown away their toys? And how are you going to deal with that? Yes. Yeah. Well, and an alternative to that, I've heard some great ones, would be to put the toys in timeout. You know, they go into a place where they can't be retrieved for a couple days. That way they're missed, but they're not gone forever. You know, so again, with a little bit of thought, you know, we can be, we can be really creative. This is a place where, um, and this is at all ages, being on the same page as your significant other, your spouse, is very important. Because um, this has happened in our house. I'm maybe nobody other, you know, else's house ever. But where husband sets a consequence that wife has to then carry out, which she is not prepared to do. So, for example, okay, I'm a country bumpkin. And I would go everywhere shoeless if I could. Carlos, on the other hand, is from the city. We wear shoes in the house. We wear shoes everywhere. So uh, he tells the kids, you may not go outside without shoes on. Now, come on. If he was home all day long with the kids, he could enforce that rule. But um, expecting me to enforce that rule is just not a good idea. <laughs> and I have to tell him, that's a great rule if you want to enforce it, but I can't do that when I'm home alone with the kids, you know? So you want to be on the same page as your spouse, too, uh, because you don't want one person making a rule that someone else is going to have to enforce that just isn't going to happen, <laughs> right? Anybody else have any examples of those they want to share? Video games? I'll take them all away or? Yeah, yeah. And that can be a special thing they do with him, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha, yes, yes. That's a big one. Thanks for contributing. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Yes. We have to lock our door. If we really mean it, the door gets locked, and then she comes and knocks and sounds pitiful, and we're like, sorry, go to bed, and crying and stomping back. It's, it's kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> but what's more heartbreaking is when mommy's in a bad mood the next day because she hasn't slept all night, okay? So that's a good one. <laughs> All right. So avoid words like always and never. I mean, that's just a good life rule, but especially in discipline, avoid always and never. Just not good. 
um, here's a, this is important. You cannot need anything from your child, okay? Your kids know how to push your buttons. They know what tone works with you. They know how to manipulate. And they know what words will send you over the edge. And there should not be those things, right? Because we are the adults, and we should have control over ourselves. Um, so if we need things like appreciation, support, love, respect, understanding, if we have to have those things from our children, we won't be able to do the hard work of discipline that's necessary. Along the same lines, we have to be okay with being hated by our children. Now that sounds awkward and awful, but it's the truth. If we can't stand our children to be angry with us, if we can't stand them to be frustrated or upset or sad, if those things are unacceptable to us, then we will not be able to do the hard work of discipline that is absolutely necessary for their character development. I'm trying to remember some of the examples that I read, but it was just like, you know, they're going to be sad. And if they know they can turn you <laughs> with their crying, with their whining, with their, you know, whatever, with their sorrow, with their broken heart, <laughs> as Lily says, my heart is broken, mommy. <laughs> Like, your heart is not broken, you know? And I've had Mia when she was younger. She was really tough for a few years there. And it, I hate you, you know? And it's like, okay, you know? One, you don't hate me. I know you don't. But if you want to think that right now, I can, I can handle that, you know? Because it's just little kids being little kids. You're the meanest, I don't like you, mommy, meanie, mommy, you know? <laughs> it's more docile now with the others, but Mia was pretty rough, you know? But I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. And if you, you know, I'm sorry you hate me. We'll, we'll try again tomorrow for a great relationship, you know? But <laughs> really, we, we have to be okay with us. Um, it's part of the developmental process. It's part of the necessary process for character development, for them to go through things that are hard. It's their job to kick back against our discipline. That's what they do, right? They buck the system because they don't want to change and they don't want to grow, right? Until the, cha until the pain of uh, staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change, we will stay the same, right? So we must make staying the same for them painful because we want them to change and to grow and to become mature so all right we just have a couple a few minutes left um again we talked about some of the other tools in the tool belt um that we can use besides spanking so one might be distraction when they're really young you know some of us have babies just taking their attention somewhere else time out some rules for timeouts would be to make it short one minute for each year of age, right? Uh, eliminate reinforcers, which would be like, go time out in your room where they can just turn on the TV and it's not really a time out because they're having a good time, right? So we want to take away those things that would make time out enjoyable. Use a timer and then um, employing other techniques if timeouts don't work. Again, all our children are different. They have different things that will work with them. If timeouts work, use timeouts as a first defense, you know, as a first um, discipline. Removing privileges, we kind of talked about that. Natural consequences, we talked about that. Logical consequences, um, an example would be your child who knows they're not supposed to throw a ball in the house, throws a ball and breaks a vase. Um, a logical consequence may be that they need to do a certain amount of chores to work off 
the cost of that vase. That would be a logical consequence. And then spanking. Um, and just a recap on something that we learned several sessions ago is that we know that the brain is trained through frequency, intensity, and duration. That is how we learn and um, integrate information, through frequency, intensity, and duration. Okay, And I would say that our character is developed in the same way. When we're teaching our children, when we're using discipline to grow their character, that it's important that we have frequency, intensity, and duration. So frequency is just going to be giving the same information over and over or the same discipline over and over. If they're not getting it, just keep repeating it, okay? Intensity is actually allowing there to be some sort of consequence. It's not, um, I mean, if we were learning math problems, we might do intensity with a, you know, something loud or something exciting. Uh, we're not going to necessarily be loud and exciting when we discipline, so it's not that kind of intensity. But when we apply discipline, uh, that's intense for them, right? So uh, frequency, same information over and over. Discipline would be the intensity, and then duration over a period of time, okay? Um, so same information with discipline over a period of time. And they should get it. They'll get it. it that's, that's how we learn. That's how we integrate. That's how we process and grow and mature, both in our brains and in our hearts. So um, I wanted to close by reading um, a little excerpt of a letter that my mom wrote me <coughs> when I was uh, 18, I guess, yeah, 18. Uh, my mom made me a picture book as a graduation present of all pictures from when I was a baby up through graduation. And she wrote me a letter, and so I just wanted to read you part of it. And the reason that I want to is because I want to encourage you to be that kind of mom or that kind of dad. Be the kind that will write your kids letters and that will um, train them up and then enjoy them, you know, uh, because that's what discipline does. It gives you children that you can enjoy and that you can have a relationship with past, um, past, you know, the time when they're under you. So she says, I just want you to know how much I love you and how proud I am of you. You've been a terrific daughter. It's been a privilege to be your mom. I'm so glad God entrusted you to us, to us. Watching you grow, mature, and become a beautiful young lady has been one of the greatest pleasures of my life. There's nothing better than seeing you follow the Lord and using your gifts and talents for him. I know we've had our disagreements, but we've always been able to talk them out and pray them through. We've become even closer in those times. From broken arms through broken hearts, we've worked it out. It's not going to be easy to have you a thousand miles away but I know that's where you're supposed to be so I can handle it. So now we enter a different phase of our lives. You're going to be learning more about who you are, defining your faith, developing your identity. Hopefully, you'll continue to discover that your true identity, security, and fulfillment are found only in Christ. Watching you learn to crawl and walk probably can't compare in difficulty to the process of letting you go. I think you're ready, though, so I let you go willingly. And then a few other things she writes. And at the end, she says, you are a remarkable young woman, someone I would choose as a friend. I love you more than I can express. And that's the one thing that will never change. So obviously, I was getting ready to go off to college. But 
I read this because I feel like this encompasses everything that we've been talking about. This encompasses, you know, from the time that I'm crawling to the time I'm leaving the house, my mom was intentional, my father was intentional about discipline. They were intentional about building character into us. And so as she watches me, you know, through this letter, grow and mature and use my gifts to serve God and to serve others, she's blessed, right? Because she's done the hard work of discipline. And I think the thing that, you know, I just read this the other day. It's been years since I've read it. Um, The thing that stuck out the most to me is where she said that I was someone that she would choose as a friend. And I feel like that's our goal. That's our goal is to develop our children to be people that we would want to hang out with. And it's a very feasible goal. Um, But we we have to be the people (laughs) that we want our children to be. And we have to be intentional and uh, unceasing in our discipline because this is attainable. It's absolutely attainable. And um, I just want to en- encourage you with that, that, um, that we can do this. And uh, so hopefully we will be those parents and hopefully we will raise those kinds of children. So thank you again for coming. Um, I'm excited. I, th- I think probably, I don't have it set out for sure, for sure, but I think we're going to talk about um, homeschooling next week. So I'm actually really excited about that talk because <laughs> because that's something that's um, a, a big passion of mine. So uh, would anyone like to close us in prayer? Tamir, would you like to close us in prayer? Thank you.